All right, so let's talk about the effects that this pandemic is having on the economy. Um, I'm going to just give you a few examples, articles. Um, this one says, USA Today. General Motors to temporarily halt production of nearly all U.S. plants due to pandemic-related chip shortage overseas. GM will idle nearly all, all of its assembly plants in North America starting Monday as the COVID-19 pandemic affects production of semiconductor chips overseas. Again, the COVID-19 pandemic affects production of semiconductor chips overseas. GM said it's Arlington Assembly in Texas where it makes its uh, full-size SUVs will run regular production next week along with Flint Assembly in Michigan where it makes its heavy-duty pickups, Bowling Green Assembly in Kentucky where it, it uh, makes its Corvette, and a portion of the Lansing Grand River Assembly in Michigan where it uh, makes its um, Camaro it as well. It says right here, the industry already has been experiencing a global shortage of the chips used in a, a variety of car, car parts since early this year. The chips are also used in small electronics and as more workers and children stay home from working school last year during the pandemic, demand for personal electronics such as laptops rose and this is what caused the shortage. So people stay home. Workers and kids stay home. This caused a problem. As a result, uh, we're seeing this massive chip shortage right now. In America, Intel is one of the only companies that can mass produce these chips. It's one company. It's not enough. When it, whenever you depend on imports, this is the issue. You don't have enough companies in, in America that can make these chips to keep up with the demand. So this is just one example of the effects we're seeing caused by the, the uh, pandemic. This is just one of many. You know, it's going to get worse, y'all. Uh, as time goes on, as we keep seeing these variants pop up and cases go up and it's surging, it's going to get worse, so um, recently I saw a video. This was over the weekend. This was a Virginia Tech game, right? And the stadium was packed with people. It was packed. There was no social distancing. Right? So what's the point of having a vaccine and trying to push the vaccine? And then you're blaming people who have not received the vaccine, right? You look up, you look at the TV, you're seeing these games packed with people. And it's not like they're screening you and they're testing you for COVID-19. From college football to the NFL to the NBA and baseball, it's all the exact same thing. Fans are filling up these stadiums. It's not like these people are being tested for COVID-19. Right. So what's the point of a fucking vaccine? It's not like these cases are going to go down. If this is going to be the case, if we're going to allow people to be entertained. Go to these sporting events and it's jam packed. What's the point of a fucking vaccine? It makes no sense to me. 
whatsoever. Nothing of what I'm seeing right now makes sense to me. Nothing makes sense. You have a pandemic. You're you're seeing a surge in cases and they're saying it's the new variant. You know, every single month, a new variant comes out. Right. So if this is happening so frequently now, shouldn't you say, you know what? Let's reduce how many fans can enter these games. They're not doing that. They're still going to make their money. So during this pandemic, you cannot let this go to waste. People are going to make money. Regardless of what's going on, they don't care about a fucking virus going on. But they're trying to make it seem like we should care. Regular people that, that work a regular job should care so much. But the NFL, the NBA, MLB, the college football, you know, all this stuff, they don't care. So why should we care? So now you're going to see a spike in cases go up. And it's out of control. But the same things that we were doing last year when this first happened... We're not doing it this year. They're still going to make their money. People are still going to be entertained regardless. So we're still having an NBA season like last year. We're still going to have a NFL season. College football, MLB is not going to change. But what's the point of the vaccine then? I keep hearing people say shit like, well, don't be so selfish. You know, this is this isn't for you. This is for everybody. It's not making sense when you're packing these fucking stadiums, yo. It makes no sense to, to, to even tell me this shit. When you're packing these stadium full of people to watch a football game or basketball game. It makes no sense to me. All right. So this is what the World Health Organization said. Uh, COVID will mutate like the flu. And it's likely here to stay. So they're admitting that it's not going nowhere. You know, I saw this coming last year. You know, um, it was evident that it's not going nowhere. When you have a vaccine comes out, then you, all of a sudden is not enough people getting the vaccine. And then you see variants pop up. And then you see a surge in cases. And this is what we're seeing now. We're seeing all these cases pop up and they're saying that it's because people who have not received the vaccine, it's their fault. So we're seeing a, a rise in cases again, but this time they're saying that it's the unvaccinated people. We didn't have this issue last year because no one were uh, had received the vaccine yet. And then I was reading also to be fully vaccinated, you have to get both shots and I think a booster, I think, to, to be fully vaccinated. So you have to get two doses and a booster on top of that, which makes no sense to me, but this is what they're saying. It says COVID-19 is likely here to stay with us as the virus continues to mutate in unvaccinated countries across the world and previous hopes of eradicating it diminish. Global health officials said Tuesday. So they're losing hope. They're like, man, there is no reason to fight this. You know, it's here to stay. And they're saying we need more people to get the vaccine so we can try to get rid of this. But it's mutating. 
And they're saying that it's people that have not received the vaccine. I don't believe that's entirely true, but this is what they're saying. Um, then it says this. I think this virus is here to stay with us and it will evolve like influenza pandemic viruses. And it will evolve to become one of the other viruses that affects us. Dr. Mike Ryan um, said he is the executive director of the World Health Organization's Health Emergencies Program said in a press briefing. This is what he said. So, y'all, uh, COVID is here to stay. It's not going nowhere. No time soon. Get used to it. You know, um, so all the fear mongering and the things they've been doing, I think it can stop now. Because if the World Health Organization is saying, look, COVID is here to stay. COVID will mutate like the flu and it's not going nowhere. I think we can relax now. So this past weekend, I was in San Antonio, Texas with my wife and in-laws for Labor Day. And I couldn't help but notice that a lot of restaurants had now hiring signs up. They was needing help, staff. One thing that's never talked about is the unemployment rate among teenagers. It's very bad when you don't have enough teenagers employed. Um... This is a bad thing because you want to be able to allow teenagers to develop some skills for the job. So they'll have something to do, be productive, not unproductive. And this is an issue. This is never talked about. Ever for the youth, the key is being able to be able to be employed and make a living somehow, some way. So they can be able to prepare for adulthood. Um, according to the U.S. Department of Labor, the American economy just added 235,000 jobs in the month of August. That's it. And the unemployment rate was just 5.2% down from 5.4% in July, with average growth of 750,000 in the last three months, and the lowest unemployment rate since the pandemic began. Um... That's not good, y'all. If you look up in one month, all you add is 235,000 jobs. Now, they thought that it'll, it'll be a lot more, but it wasn't. We're seeing the effects of this pandemic and what it's having on the economy. And it's not being talked about in the news a lot. The only thing that you're hearing about is COVID-19, the vaccine. That's it. But... The more important things they're not discussing, and this is the problem. The long-term effects of COVID-19 will be felt years from now. And I hope that people understand this fully, how it's going to affect us right here in this country. And, and it's going to be grave consequences for this shit. This article says U.S. child care in short supply as burnout workers quit and new hires hard to find. It says child care centers across the country are struggling to find enough qualified educators to be fully staffed for back to school season. An obstacle that has some schools reducing plan enrollment and cutting back hours. Owners of child care centers say more workers are quitting and fewer people than usual are applying for open positions. 
The staffing crunch is further limiting childcare options for parents eager to return uh, to work. Uh, it says it also creates more hurdles for working mothers who were affected uh, by this pandemic. Uh, mothers who were disproportionately pushed out of the labor market when schools went virtual and childcare centers closed because of the pandemic. It says without reliable childcare, it would become more difficult for those parents to return to steady work schedules. Economists say potentially slowing a labor market recovery that many had hoped would get a jolt as schools reopen this fall, and which becomes even more critical as enhanced jobless benefits expire in September. It says, um, research released on Wednesday by the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta found that women with children under six made up 10% of the workforce before the pandemic, but accounted for 22% of the jobs lost uh, during the crisis. So this is a, a huge issue. Um, as child care centers don't have enough people, they can't hire people. They have people quitting. They have to lower in enrollment. Okay. I don't have, enough staff to deal with the kids so I have to uh, reduce the amount of kids I can take in as a result then also this slows the recovery of the damage this pandemic has done so these mothers can't return back to work because they're stuck at home having to care for their child because they can't go back to work because again there is nowhere for them to go and this is a problem all right, so let's continue the conversation about education. Um, the biggest thing is when you look at this pandemic, the effects it's going to have on students, children in school, teenagers, etc. is going to have a bigger impact on them than any other group. Um, yes, the adults are suffering as well, but the future of this nation is the children. And if we don't consider the children, the teenagers, uh, it's not a good look for your country, your nation. The USA has to invest more into these children, more into education, more into educators. This is key, man, for the survival of America. You have to make sure that you include these children. You have to make sure that you include these teenagers because if you neglect them, the result is, is going to be something that you don't want to see. And this is what we're going to see if it's not under control. Um, it says the majority of North Carolina K-12 through students taking state exams failed. Now they're saying that this is because of the pandemic. Because they were doing virtual learning, it was not hands-on. It was you're looking at, at a screen all day. It's a computer. We know for a fact that these Children, these teenagers, they have a very short attention span. So this is the result of what happens. Um, new data shows the majority of North Carolina public school students taking state exams. Reading, math, and science failed them last school year. These are three important categories, y'all. Also writing. But writing, reading, math, and science is very important. Okay, it says state education leaders caution against making year over year comparisons with the test during 
the test taken during a school year marked by limited in-person instructions due to COVID-19 pandemic. Now, I've seen the result of what happens when you take a child out of school from in-person learning and it goes virtual. It's not good for them. They have to be at school. They have to be able to be engaged in order to learn. It says only 45.4% of K through 12 students passed the exams for the 2020 and 2021 school year. According to results released at a state board education meeting Wednesday, two years ago, the last time testing was required, nearly 59% of K through 12 students passed the exams. So this was before the pandemic. So it's true that in-person learning is better than virtual learning, especially for a child, especially for a teenager is much, much better. It says the U.S. Education Department did not require states to test students in the 2019 and 2020 school year, but required it this past year, uh, this pandemic uh, year. Because of the coronavirus safety concerns, some high school students this, this past year took exams months after completing the course they were being tested on. Some tests were revised and a lower than normal share of students took the exam news outlet reported. So it's, it's not good, man, to have children, have teenagers, right? They're doing this. Um, they're doing the virtual learning. They're having all this material, whatever it is. And then they test months later. This is why hands on learning is much better for a child, a teenager, because we know for a fact that they have a short attention span. They learn better when they're engaging. This is how you learn. This is how I learned. So I'm telling you for a fact, man, if this is not fixed, the last thing you want is for this to affect your future. The children, the teenagers, those that graduate high school, they're going into the workforce, college, military, whatever. You don't want this to affect them because they're the future. And when this affects them, this affects the entire economy. And this is what we're seeing right now. All right, this article is talking about the impact that the pandemic is having on student achievement, okay? And it's going to be years to come. They're referring to this as learning loss. So in one year, they're saying that the years to come is going to show just off this one year. The effects of it will be years to come. Okay, it says TEA commissioner shares catastrophic impacts pandemic is having on student achievement. Okay. It says commissioner of education, Mike Morath says no one expected to be dealing with another surge of COVID-19 cases and it's impacting how well schools operate. There is continued concern over student learning loss. Now, for those that don't know, TEA is Texas education agency. Okay. The impact on elementary and middle school students in terms of reading levels 
has been nothing short of catastrophic, said Morath. This is what he's saying. So the Dallas IFD uh, Deputy Chief Academic Officer Derek Little says the district, like many others, will be tackling learning loss for years to come. Okay. When asked if he agrees with the with it being catastrophic, he said, yeah. We have definitely seen severe impacts from the pandemic on our students, learning and development. Okay. Whether it is catastrophic or severe or alarming, I think the objective is less important. What matters most is what we are doing to actually get our students back on track. Okay. The biggest challenge has been learning and mathematics instead of learning and reading. The pandemic has led to regression in unfinished learning. Meaning lessons uh, students simply never learned. Okay. It says. Um, so Derek Little says it will take a full four years to get the entire district back on track to meet those goals. So in one year, this has happened in one year. They're seeing a huge impact on student achievement. Learning loss. So. Being able to have the ability to retain what you learned. This is why the whole virtual learning shit was a terrible idea. We know for a fact that these students have to be at school to learn. And in one year, they're talking about it's going to be years to come. They have to get back on track. And this pandemic, man, is devastating. Not just for people that's getting sick from this virus. And they're dying. But also, for example, like education. Child care. We're seeing this in employment. Just being able to get a job. This is going to be devastating. And I don't think people understand the impact that this pandemic is going to have on us years to come. All right, so the Social Security Trust Fund now projected to run out of money sooner than expected due to COVID-19, y'all. Um, it says the Social Security Trust Fund most Americans rely on for the retirement will run out of money in 12 years. One year sooner than expected, according to the annual government report that came out Tuesday. The outlook was aggravated by the COVID-19 pandemic also threatens to shrink retirement payments and increased health care costs for older Americans. Okay. And then it says this, um, the finances of both programs have been affected by the pandemic and the recession of 2020. The treasury department said in materials released Tuesday, the combined effects of a dive in employment interest rates, Earnings and GPD, as well as higher mortality for the next few years, impact the outlook of the programs. Imagine working and you're working overtime and you're working all these hours and you found out your manager was cheating you of your pay and the extra hours you were working. This is not good. And you would think that someone would be held accountable for it. 
Well, this article says USPS managers deleted workers' extra hours and cheated them of $659,000 in pay and report fines. It says when the pandemic shut everything down, the U.S. Postal Service, USPS, was vital in ensuring people across the country where the nation could get the goods and products they need. But a new report found the postal workers who delivered those goods are being cheated of pay they deserve. And the agency is hardly being held accountable. The Center for Public Integrity, a nonprofit media organization, released a report on Tuesday that revealed uh, USPS cheats mail carriers out of the pay. So, how do you cheat your employees out of pay they deserve? And it adds up to $659,000 in loss, in lost pay. But the Labor Department still allowed the USPS to pay back less than half of that amount to employees. And in 90% of the cases, it's not clear whether the employees got paid back at all. It says supervisors found to be cheating were rarely disciplined, often receiving only a warning or more training. The report said in four cities, documents show post office managers continue to alter time cards after promising union leaders they could stop. They would stop. So this is bad, man, that you got employees working these extra hours, you know, especially during this pandemic. You want to be able to still get your paycheck. You know, people live check to check. So it's fucked up when they're not being paid what they deserve. They're not being paid what they work for and you cheat them out of pay. That's bad. Um, It says not only did employees not get their rightful pay, but from 2010 to 2019 records reveal that at least 250 managers in 60 post offices were caught changing employees time cards to show them working fewer hours resulting in unpaid wages. It says mail carriers said the managers were under pressure to keep overtime costs down and even if uh, they were working much longer than an eight hour day they were told in some cases to clock out at eight hours and keep working without pay. This is incredible that you, you're asking employees to work your eight hours, but clock out. If you want extra hours, keep working off the clock and you won't get paid for it. This is incredible. All right. This article says um, Southwest airline pilot Sue Carrier calling the pandemic treatment asymmetrical warfare. Now, this was back on August the 31st, okay? It says the Union for Southwest Airline Pilots is suing the carrier in federal court, saying there is a major dispute over how the company has managed employees during the COVID-19 pandemic, okay? It says in the suit filed in Monday in Dallas, Southwest Airlines Pilots Association accused the company of altering work schedules, changing pay, failing to secure hotel rooms and transportation, and refusing to negotiate on rules such as quarantines 
for infected pilots. All of those issues needed to be negotiated because the two sides have an ongoing contract, the suit said. Uh, it says this, uh, pilots have been complaining for months about the company's policies and, and have threatened to picket at the airports in the coming months. Many of the complaints have been echoed by the union representing Southwest Airlines flight attendants, uh, transport workers, Union Local 556. Um, in the lawsuit, it says SWAP refers to Southwest Airlines illegal tactics as a form of asymmetrical warfare in negotiations. And then it says this, uh, more specifically, defendant Southwest Airlines has issued and implemented uh, an infectious disease control policy during the COVID-19 pandemic that altered the working conditions, rules, and rates for pay for policy uh, lawsuit said. In a statement, Southwest Airlines Vice President of uh, Labor Relations, Russell McCready, I think, said the company has been forced to respond to the unpredictable challenges presented by the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, the airline disagrees with the SWAPA's uh, claim that any COVID-related changes over the past few months required negotiations, he said. As always, Southwest remains committed to pilots, health, and welfare, and to working with uh, SWAPA and other union partners as we continue navigating the challenges presented on the uh, by the ongoing pandemic. The lawsuit comes as Dallas-based Southwest Airlines and pilots in, engage in contract talks that have been on hold since the COVID-19 uh, pandemic started 18 months ago. It's crazy how the high-skilled uh, workers affected the low-skilled workers and the low-skilled workers are at the very bottom. So the high-skilled uh, high workers, people that are, are in more high-skilled jobs, they will always have more choices than the low-skilled people. And the low-skilled people will find themselves at the mercy of these people because they depend on them for their income. So this article says... Um, Remote work is crushing low skill left behind in U.S. cities. So this is how this works. You got people that were in office jobs. They went to lunch. They went to the bar. You know, they went here. So these people that were in low skill jobs, their income depended on these people going into these establishments. You know what I'm saying? So this is how they made their money. And as a result of the pandemic, these people began to work from home. It gave them a better option to where they didn't have to live in the city anymore. They moved out. This is happening in a lot of cities across America. People are fleeing the big cities because now they can work from home and they're going into other areas. And this is what's happening. So this article, just real quick, this article says this, um, the pandemic trend of white collar employees working remotely or fleeing from the suburbs has disproportionately hurt low skilled workers who stay behind in deserted neighborhoods. OK. Now, a new study has quantified the impact of means of consumer services workers such as hairdressers and, wait and waiters who relied on office employees to make a living in big cities before the pandemic. OK, so so before the pandemic, they were doing just fine. 
But when it happened, people were working from home. So these high skilled workers who work from home left the big cities. Okay. In January, low skilled consumer services workers in the densest urban areas of the country accounted for almost get this, y'all. 60% of hours lost in the U.S. economy. Compared with the previous year, according to the Geography of Remote Work, a paper published by the National Bureau of Economic Research, and yet they accounted for 41% of the workforce nationwide. In other words, low-skilled workers in densely populated areas have borne the largest share of the, pec- uh, the pandemic economic fallout. So the low-skilled workers are being affected heavily because of the pandemic, uh, including compared with the rural counterparts according to the research which used uh, Census Bureau data. So these high-skilled workers, they decided to leave. I have a better option, a better choice than you. So I'm going to leave the big city and go somewhere else. There's more appealing. I don't have to live in the big city. I can move somewhere finally and be at peace, away from all the noise, somewhere more quiet, you know, more peaceful. So they have a very high income. They earn more money. So they have the option of leaving. And this is what happened. It says right here, such changes in choices of high income earners endanger the economic livelihood of low skilled service workers in big cities who depend on local consumer service demand. So in the U.S. economy, uh, when this pandemic hit, they didn't account for the people that would be affected. That depend on you to be in the restaurant. To come eat there, the hairdresser, the waiter, etc. They forgot about them. They don't have the option of just up and moving. They don't make that much money. So in this country, everyone can't be a millionaire. Everyone can't own their own company. Everyone can't be a high skill worker. Some people accept these jobs. But. Like I said before, when it comes to this pandemic, we're going to see the effects of this years to come. These same places that they abandoned and left behind. We're going to see what happens. All right, before I go, this article is from Insider.com. It says um, white nationalist Richard Spencer is broke, divorced and shunned as a summer resident in Whitefish, Montana, locals say. Okay, so white supremacist Richard Spencer, who ran the now-dissolved National Posse Institute from his mother's $3 million summer house in Whitefish, Montana, has found himself unwelcome. It says leaders in, in Whitefish told the Times that Spencer's organization had dissolved and he is unable to afford a lawyer for his October trial. Regarding his involvement in the 2017 neo-Nazi march in Charlottesville, Virginia. Now, Richard Spencer, his parents got money. So you would think that this guy would have more sense. But this guy is so far right wing, he forgot that, hey, man, you got money. Even though you might believe these things 
Why would you be dumb enough to say it out loud? See, rich white people, white people that's very wealthy that think like he thinks, they're not dumb enough to say it out loud. That's for poor white people. That's what they do. They're very out loud. You know, they're very in your face with their, their racism. But wealthy white people with money is something they don't do in public. And Richard Spencer forgot this shit. He thought that he can say what he want to say and people would back him up. But he forgot that your family got money and it's some shit you just can't say. And it's some shit that you can't align with. And he forgot this. And now he's having to pay the price for it. His wife is divorcing him. He's broke. And the very community that, you know, he lives in. They don't like him like they don't want to deal with the guy. They don't want to have to tolerate this guy and they condemn him. But this dummy forgot that he came from money and rich and wealthy white people don't talk like that. They don't do interviews on TV and express themselves the way that he expressed himself. You don't do that shit. If you do think that way, you do it in private. Not in front of people in public. And this is what he forgot. And now he's suffering the consequences of the shit. He thought that he can be so far right wing that people will love him regardless. But what's happening is he's too loud. He's bringing attention to a place that they don't want the kind of attention. So he fucked up. He he really fucked up his life. All he had to do was keep his mouth closed. You can believe what you want to believe, but you're rich, you're wealthy, you come from money. You ain't got to say that shit. But Richard Spencer fucked up. And now he's having to pay the price for it. I say good riddance to him. Oh, well, you forgot the rules of the game, player. And now you got to deal with this shit. So now he, he goes from being a rich white guy from money to now he's a poor white guy without money. His bad. 